Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Taylor Siemens, Critical Training Director for Vitalik. All right, welcome everybody. Alex Tiersch here, host of Medical Spa Insider. Um, we have on the AmSpa hotline, as we like to say, uh, Taylor Siemens from Vitalik, and she's also an entrepreneur. She's got her own um, company, which we're going to talk about. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner from down in Dallas, works again for Vitalik, which is a med spa down there, and they're, they're uh, doing very well. And a sketch of your background so everyone knows who you are. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Alex. I'm really excited to be on here. Um, it was an honor to be at the boot camp as well and just get to pour into some of those new owners. Um, but about myself, like you said, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I started in this industry about six or seven years ago uh, with a facial plastic doc. Uh, super thankful for my time with him. It really gave me, uh, I think, a big advance and a big push into the industry. Uh, I swore you would never find me in a med and here I am uh, for the past two years leading the clinical team of one. So it's been a, a really interesting journey, um, but just really a great time to be in this field. That's awesome. So um, if you don't mind, uh, you, you are the clinical uh, training director for Vitalik and, and, and talk a little bit just about Vitalik and um, what type of med spa it is, like what's your basic clientele. And then I know that you're getting ready to open a, a few new ones, which I think is exciting. Um, so talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So yeah, Vitalik, we opened just about a year and a half ago. Uh, I think just a couple days after shelter in place was canceled in Texas, our doors were open and ready to take people in. And so it was a really neat time to navigate, uh, not just opening a med spa, but opening in, in the height of, uh, you know, something that was a very interesting time for all of us. Uh, yes. But my role there, I am still in the treatment room about one to two days a week. Uh, but the majority of my time is spent uh, finding our clinical team, coaching them, developing them, and then really helping our business guys as well as we're growing and expanding, really making sure that clinical is the focus of that. Yeah. Uh, and so our brand, you know, we would like to consider ourselves a very high-end med spa, um, not in our prices and things like that and our aesthetic, but um, just in the way that we offer clinical services. Yeah. So we kind of like to say we, we want to feel as much like a plastic surgeon's office as possible while recognizing we are not a surgeon's office that that's you know not who we are but we want to offer the same type of non-surgical services that you would find in that type of practice gotcha well so i i do want to talk about um training and just kind of the industry as a whole because we, we we've had some really interesting conversation i know we did when we were um on stage at the at the um boot camp um about just how we get this industry uh, kind of up to speed when it comes to training. There's 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 so much growth as we can tell just by by your by your med spas getting ready to grow. Um, just having opened a short time ago after a pandemic, that's fairly amazing that you're you know doing it as well as you are and you're growing. Um, but I know that you're really big on training and and building a responsible industry and ensuring that everybody um, knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing and doing things in the right way. And it's not just kind of a, a, a free for all. I, I would love to, to, to kind of get into that. And, and just to, to start off, what's your overall, what's your what's your view um, as a nurse practitioner on kind of the level of of 
of of training that 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 we that currently exists for a lot of these injectors specifically, and then where we need to go. Like what like what's your goal, and 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 what would you like to see given your experience um, uh, in, in the industry so far? I just want to kind of get the conversation started with that. Yeah, you know, it's a, a very heavy and pressing subject for me. It's It's been interesting, the transition of my career. Had you met me two years ago, I would have been telling you about what I was doing to better myself and how I wanted to be the best in the industry. We're now, my attention and my focus has really changed to helping others be the best and making this industry a better place. Um, I think it's very interesting that balance that we hold between aesthetics and medicine and a lot of people get caught on uh, the spa side of things that they forget the medical in front of it and um, it can be a little disconcerting sometimes when um, you know hospitals nurses nurse practitioners doctors we're told what we need to know in the hospital we Mm -hmm. are checked off on things constantly anytime we introduce a new service or navigate to a new floor there is a lot of training and testing and um, experience needed to get there and we don't really have that in our industry and so really trying to help clinics uh, that I consult with and help kind of learn hey you need to have this formal training and process and progress. Um, I interviewed a lot of people uh, for Vitalik and whatnot. And, you know, just last week I interviewed a girl that I, I always asked, what was your training like? So we kind of know where we mm-hmm. need to step in. She said, well, I was hired um, from the ER, had never done an injectable in her life. Uh, and her training was watching three YouTube videos. And then mm. she had six hours of patience after. Oh, and I oh, used to think that that was not common, but I'm just learning more and more that that is more commonplace than I think yeah. the industry would like to admit. No, you, you actually kind of took my next question away from you. So in, in, but, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Cause that is, I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at it, right? Number one, it's, it's, it's exciting because there's opportunity and there's so much opportunity where there, where folks can come in from other, other sides of the industry, whether it's ER or whatever, and there's space for them. It's also frightening that they kind of come in without any formal training or really the necessary formal training and just start going. Is are are you seeing? Is it more like that, or are you seeing more people who are trained? And then on the the flip side, the, for instance, that one you you interviewed, are, are they willing? And, and eager to kind of admit and accept that they need more training? Or is it like, no, I want to get going. I know what I'm doing. Kind of. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think the average person is desperate for training. I, um, you know, my story, I, I worked for a, a well-known plastic surgeon. He is great at his craft. Um, so coming into that, I expected to be poured into a little bit more. Um, but the thing is, he's great at plastic surgery. He, mm-hmm. He's not an injector. He doesn't specialize in lasers. And so while he supported me to the best of his ability, he wasn't an expert in those things. And so here I was fresh in the industry desperate for someone to pour into me and give me the resources I needed. Uh, and it's not that he was a bad doctor. It's mm-hmm. just, he, you know, most clinics I don't think are equipped with the ability to educate and teach the way that their nurses and their PAs and their estheticians need to be taught. Right. So I guess what's the, I mean, what's the solution to this? Because I think it's, it's a problem, 
Um, but it's, it's not one that it's unsolvable, right? I mean, it's, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of training companies out there. It's not like there's, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're searching for training companies. They're popping up all the time. Lots of folks have, and there's lots of places to get training. I think it just takes a little bit of work maybe for folks to actually get there. Um, but how do we get the word out to, to, to to people in the industry that this training is 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 really necessary and how do we make it accessible because it's part of the issue that i see is you know the the injectable companies or the device manufacturers will come out and train you they'll train anybody really um that's not enough you need you you certainly need more than that and but a lot of folks are like well okay where do i get it because they don't necessarily want to go to anywhere in 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 their location because people don't want to train them because they're working for a competitor there's all kinds of issues that come into that um what do we do? What do you think? And I know it's kind of a loaded question, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think there there are a lot of options and it's all of us collectively coming together to kind of be the solution. Uh, I think number one, we kind of have to get over that like fear of sharing our knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we all do in this industry. We, we figure something out and want to hold on to it to attract more patients to us. Um, but it's, it's not helpful. We need to be sharing what we know. We need to be open and honest about things. Um, that's really something that I'm trying to do on the platform I'm developing is giving people a space to share what they've learned. Um, the mistakes as well. You know, we are so afraid to admit when we make mistakes, when if I would have told someone, we could have educated hundreds of nurses not to make that mistake again. But instead, we hide it because we don't want anyone to know about it. And so I think just being more vocal about that. um, You mentioned the vendors. They are a big help, obviously, but they are also limited in what they can and can't teach on. Um, It's not always very real world because they are held by certain restrictions. Um, But I think just empowering the clinicians to own their own training, to, to find a drive within that and, you know, start the conversations with their employers of, Hey, what can we do to make a goal for me to get this training? You know, I see the benefit in my practice, but how it grows the company uh, and really getting the clinician involved with with the practice owners and the decision makers on how to move forward together. So I, I, I want to get in because I know you have a, a platform, a training platform that you're working on. I want to get into that because I think it's, it's it sounds really interesting. I want to take a bit of a step back, though, and focus, um, Taylor, on you kind of personally, because you mentioned you used to work for a plastic surgeon. And you said, I don't know if this just slipped out or if you meant to say you you would have ne- you never wanted to be in a med spa. You kind of never that was nothing you wanted to do. It was it was it was it was almost like a four letter word. Um, what's. So number one, like, um, why did you think that? Um, and what changed about your perception that, that not, not only are you now in a med spa, but you're, you're, you're helping run it, you're hiring, you're, you're doing other things. What, 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 what's the evolution there? Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people in the surgery world, med spas are that four letter word. I think that we um, are raised to be a little judgmental of that and have the stereotype that is not the case for all of them. It certainly is for some. Um, But, you know, I think even if you were to pay attention to some of the conversations you have with plastic surgeons, a lot of them will correct you when you call their non-surgical aesthetic practice a med spa. They want it known. We are not a med spa. Hmm. Um, 
because we have this negative connotation with med spas, um, true or not, that maybe they um, have really low bad quality equipment, that they're full of drama, that they don't have good staff. You know, we just hear these negative stories about them, um, which is a disservice to the industry as a whole because patients are hearing those as well. And and that's why we all need to come together and be better. Um, different question. But um and so that's something that we're really trying to solve at Vitalik is, um, you know, I, I don't want crappy equipment. So we hire what mm-hmm. we believe to be the best clinically backed research-based equipment and devices. Um, I don't want drama. So if you are drama, you're probably not making it on my team. And if we find out afterwards you are, you probably won't last that long. We don't want um, it to be a negative place to go because mm-hmm. that's where poor results happen if you have bad equipment, bad product, and people who just complain all day long. So was it, what was there something specific that happened where you're like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a med spa. I'm going to, what was it because it was a startup? Was it, I mean, what was the, uh, what was the impetus behind making the switch to the dark side? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think a startup and being able to have some decision-making power into creating a space that I could be proud of. Um, And since then, I've been proven wrong time and time again. I now see communicating with other med spas that there are so many doing this wonderfully. And, um, you know, all of my speculations were not true about it. Um, our CEO is also uh, very crafty and, and knows how to uh, empower people well, I think, to be able to make smart decisions for their future. And um, I think he shares a passion for the industry as a whole as well. And so it's it's fun to be able to collaborate together to, to move forward, um, not just for our sakes, but for the industry. Yeah, you know, I think w- w- when you were mentioning um, some of the reputations with, with med spas, particularly amongst surgeons, I, I have no doubt that there's that still exists. I, I know it does. Um, but I feel like it's getting better too. And I feel like for the most part, that reputation is... Is, is unwarranted and a lot of it is created not just by surgeons but by some of the dermatologists out there and, and it's it's a it's a turf war right they're trying to protect their turf and so they've this is one of the ways that they've come up with trying to kind of sour the relationship i think though um the other side of it which you also mentioned is like people forget the medical and medical spa and and this is a huge issue for us because you know as medical spas we are very different than a, a traditional spa and, and, and we, we, we need to be and we want to be. We're providing medical services. But if we're going to do that, we really, really, really need to treat it with the, the utmost care and, um, and, and training and all of that that comes with a medical practice. Part of the issue that I'm seeing, and I would love your thoughts on this, is is how do we educate? And it's not just the public, but it's it's mostly the the the, the public as well as some of the practitioners that are out there um, to start accepting the fact that hey, this is a medical spa. The, the, the medical comes before the spa. Therefore, you know, the, all the medical, uh, procedures, all the regulations, all the, pr- the processes that we have to follow need to be followed. Um, a lot of this is almost just like a, it's almost like a PR battle, uh, as opposed to, um, as opposed to a training battle. Have you, have you experienced that too? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, and I think that you guys are making great um, headway in solving a, a little bit of this problem. 
you know, there's two sides of the coin. It, part of me thinks eventually the the people who are not doing it well are just going to be phased out because there are going to be enough of us that step up and say and educate people. This is how you're supposed to do it. Um, you know, I, I've heard you have this conversation with other people before and they're like, well, maybe they don't know that they're break girls. Right. I think there are plenty of those. Uh, I also, you know, I have a nurse who's with me now when I interviewed her, she had been at a place for a couple of years, had never received a medical clearance for a patient. And so I was telling her an interview like, hey, we're in Texas, good faith exams are required. Mm-hmm. You are practicing outside of your scope. Whether you work here or not, you know, that's something that you need to make sure that they know. And she went back that same day to tell them, hey, did you know we're doing this wrong? And they fired her on the spot because she wouldn't, she wasn't willing to see patients then without clearance. Um, And so I think there are plenty of people who just don't want to play by the rules because it's expensive. And um but then we created that nurse who now knows the rules of regulation and every job she has for the rest of her career, she's going to make sure that they are following the rules. And so I think at some point we're going to start phasing those people out and they're just not going to be successful any longer. And are you trying to tell me that there is absolutely no drama in your med spa whatsoever? <laughs> I am not, but you know, the crew we have right now, I think, um, we are equipping with good skills and, um, you know, we really just have a solid crew. It took us uh, about a year and a half to really find the crew that we have right now. But, um, I can tell you that everybody on most days are walking in with a smile and I just, you know, not every job can say that. So, <laughs> That's true. um, so I, like I said, I want to get into, um, this, this program that you're developing, but uh, but before I do it, one thing just popped in my head that I would love to to get your feedback on. Also, we're we're trying to encourage a lot of um, APRNs, nurse practitioners, you know, uh, PAs to get into the industry because they're they're so badly needed. One of the things that we found, and this is kind of off the cuff, um, putting on the spot a little bit. One of the things that we found is um, there are a lot of not just. PAs, but also nurse practitioners or APRNs in the industry um, or, or in their industry that, that that have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth about med spas and they don't, like it's, it's difficult to get them to kind of come over. How do we get more NPs or, or APNs um, or, or PAs, how do we get more of them to come? Uh, an example, I just tried to, to, we tried to do an exhibit space and, and speak at the National PA Conference to talk about aesthetics and how they could get into it. And we were flat out denied. They said, no, we don't want you. Um, we've had the same issue with some of the um, APRN conferences. Like we, we need to get more NPs and PAs here. How do we do that because they're right now it's really difficult to break into kind of the schools or the the larger associations and get let them know that aesthetics is it's a great medically driven place to work and you, and you can be happy and you can make a lot of money and and be part of a great industry yeah, I think it's it's giving those those mid level practitioners a, a space as you all have on the podium on you know these podcasts. The more that the public hears and these these boards hear um, that we are pushing for it to be more medically based. Again, I think there's just this negative stigma that we're just here to make people pretty and relaxed. And while that is our in, our outcome that we are seeking. 
the public and these boards are missing all of the things that come into that. And so educating the current mid-levels who are there to be preaching this safety, this this education, this is a medical thing, um, not just, you know, put needles in people's faces, um, but showing them that we actually care about this being a medical thing over time, they're going to start taking that more seriously. Um, I think just our industry as a whole in the medical realm is not taken seriously because this is a very new verbiage that we're putting around Mm -hmm. it in the past few years of this safety driver that we care about. So tell me about your, because you're also an entrepreneur, you have nothing else going on in your life. You're just bored. So you decided to start a, a and this is a, like a, like a training app, I think is what it is. I, I would love to hear more about it because I, I don't know a, a ton about it, but w- what have you been working on and, and what's the, what problem are you trying to solve with, with developing this, um, the, 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 this new product? Yeah, so 2018, 2019, I started uh, my company. It's called Aesthetic Care NP. Uh, and I made it, it's a consulting firm. I traveled a lot pre-COVID going mm-hmm. into clinics. Uh, just like you were saying, there there are plenty of trainers out there. Um, but I just felt a need to be that support that I didn't have coming into the industry to be able to take the time to say, no, this is the way that you actually do this. No, what does your state say about this? This is how we draw this up. Just all the specifics. Uh, that I was desperate for someone to tell me. And so I spent a lot of time traveling, teaching clinics that, teaching providers that. Uh, And then when COVID hit, uh, obviously travel stopped. Um, But I moved a lot of it online because during that Mm -hmm. time, people saw that as a chance to improve and get better and and make sure that time wasn't wasted Uh, to where we grew that enough that it's, you know, that is more of a demand than someone coming into your clinic blocking your schedule for two days where the practice isn't making money. Uh, Instead, you have this information on an app, on your computer. You don't even need Wi-Fi. You have 10 minutes before a patient. You can watch this video. You can read this article. Uh, And really creating the space where you can hear multiple points of views and and see how things are done in a very quick and innovative way. So like what's it, it, it when you say there's videos and articles is this are these training videos is it specifically like that are there modules or is it just is it demonstrations or or what's the content like? Yeah, all of the above. So there are four different things included. Uh, one is just didactic lecture. Uh, mm-hmm. That is what clinicians are used to getting presentations. This mm-hmm. is the medical information. This is why this is important. Diving into anatomy uh, and really breaking down the technology you're using and laser physics, all the things involved in that treatment. Uh, and then we also have treatment demos as well. So we spend time doing the lecture and then you go in the treatment room and we're treating, but not just treating and saying, okay, that's how you hold it. But pausing, if we're doing laser, see how that spot reacted. That's what we were talking about. That's what we're looking for. If you didn't get this, these are what you do next. Really walking people through those changes. Um, So there's that, the demonstration, treatment room cheat sheets. So just kind of summarizing, hey, if you are doing a photo facial, don't forget, these are your most important things. This is how you educate your patient. Uh, And then as well as something we call industry chats. So that's just a way for us to kind of elevate other voices in the industry, uh, chat with other clinicians and vendors who have figured out how to do what they're doing well and helping other people kind of expand their skill set with it. That's awesome. Um, 
So what's the, I mean, what's the plan for that? Are you going to do some like go, go global and, and, and dominate worldwide with that? I mean, that's, that's a cool, it sounds like it's a cool app. Yeah, it's, it's been really good. We went into beta testing in October and the feedback was great. We found a few things that we could have done a little bit better. And so we're really excited to get that um, pushed out in December here. Um, but really, I just, you know, I tell people I, I used to get really excited when I provided a really good result. result. Like, you know, you just get excited. That's what was getting me out of bed in the morning. Uh, and not why that it's still great, but I get more excited whenever I'm getting these pictures from people saying, I made that change you said, or we did this and look at my results. And being able to celebrate those wins with people is just really satisfying and encouraging to know that we're, you know, one clinician at a time, all of us collectively with your show, with all the other people helping elevate the industry to a more trustworthy place. Yeah. What? So, so what is it about, um, Teaching and training, you've mentioned some of the things how it makes you feel good to see other other folks succeed. I mean, what's the I mean, the 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 difference between training and offering support and those kinds of things versus versus treating, you know, obviously there it's it's distinct. Um, Did you always know you were going to be kind of on the training side or were you uh, how did you get into doing doing teaching and and advising as opposed to just um, just treating? I'm not sure that I knew I wanted to, but I, when I look back to when I first started, you know, I, I was making PowerPoints. I was taking notes. Oh, I, I wish someone would have told me that. Let me write that down and sharing that with people that I came into contact with right away. And so I think it's just been over the past five years, a naturally evolving thing to say, oh, great. If I create this platform, we can share with more people. Oh, if I get in contact with these people, they can pour into me and then we can all pour into the industry together. Uh, and so I think it's just been probably a trajectory I was headed on, but has just evolved over time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, um, you know, I, I, we, we had a, did a, issue of our um, quarterly publication about this, but I'm curious, I'm I'm asking folks as we go, and I'm not saying that the pandemic is over because obviously there's a long way to go with, with everything that we're hearing, but um, from a business side of things and just from a, or, or, or a personal side of things, what did you learn um, or, or what have you changed as, as a result of, of, of going through this pandemic? And, um, and, 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 and how do you think business is going to move forward um, from here? Are there some things that are going to stick are there some, or are we going to go back to normal eventually? Or what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Cause it's, it's been such a long ride and you guys have done so well as have many people during, during the pandemic. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the aesthetic space is uh, kind of a great place to be. I, I think most of the plastic surgeons I know, 08, 09, were the best years they ever had. There's this really weird psychological thing that happens when people are in panic. They want to look and feel their best. Mm-hmm. And um, so like many, you know, we grew. It's interesting because we opened right after shelter in place. And so I don't have anything to say we had to change this or we had to do this. Right. Um, but we felt very proud that we built a a post-pandemic med spa, if you will. So all of our decisions were being made while COVID was here, while we were mm-hmm. all stuck at home um, to create a space to allow our, our, not just our patients, but our team members to feel safe coming there. Uh, and so, you know, we don't have any paper in our practice. Everything is digital. Um, mm-hmm. We share a lot through airdrop through our patients, aftercare mm-hmm. instructions, things like that. Um, automating text messages, uh, marketing 
and social media, all of those things to really just create a very easy transaction and pathway throughout the clinic, um, which I think has helped. Digital is something I see a lot of people, I I do consulting now, they're still on paper and Mm -hmm. like patients don't want to be touching the pens or, you know, their file is missing, things like that. Um, So we actually feel very lucky to have been forced to make those decisions coming into our opening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because um, it's almost taken some of these issues with COVID to, to get some of us into the, the 20th century, 21st century, right? Um, because it's it, like a lot of things, just like, like I'll go someplace now and they'll hand me a pen. It's like, you're like, it's fine, but like, <laughs> oh, where's the pen been? I mean, have you, has it sanitized? Like, I mean, all those things, which are just crazy that you would never think of before are starting to come into um, our heads. Um, what, um, what do you love most about the, and you've always been in the industry. I mean, with starting in plastic surgery, um, what do you love most about the med spa industry and what are some things that you wish we could change? Yeah. So actually I started my career, um, in neurosurgery for about five years before I switched over to plastics. Um, so a little, a little bit of hospital experience there. Um, what I love most is, you know, I, I think something that's very attractive about our industry is that our, our patients desire to be there. You know, they're not being forced because they're sick or they have something else going on. And so I think that it's a really unique space that we get to pour into our patients' lives. And, um, you know, they're coming in to fix, quote unquote, fix these issues that they have with their appearance. Um, but what a gift it is to be able to help point out all the things that are great about them, too. And um, that's one of my favorite things to teach our injectors is if they're focused on, you know, the fact that their lips are small, make sure we're spending time to compliment their cheeks and tell them when we, you know, put volume in their lips, how much better their chin looks and and pour Mm -hmm. into just some things that are great about them personally to help take some of the pressure off the physical appearance. Um, I think those words hold a little truer when they know we could make more money by forcing more things on them, but instead we want to empower them with their their aesthetics as well. That's awesome. Um, Now, how did you get from, you said neurosurgery to plastic Mm -hmm. surgery? How, How did that happen? That's kind of a bit of a jump. <laughs> you know, I, when I was a kid um, and people would ask like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say, oh, I want to be a doctor. Um, but like in beauty, a doctor. And I, and I, I don't think med spas were even a thing then. I didn't know anything about plastic surgeons. I'm from a small town. There are no, no one's getting Botox there, you know, 35 <laughs> years ago. Um, and so it's, it's funny that I had this concept to then be able to find it. Um, so but even I as, actually even went as a kid, you wanted to be in beauty. I did. Yeah. Medical but, beauty. You know, at med, yes. Med school was always the plan. Um, I, I got into med school, decided I didn't want to have to deal with the med school debts and learned about NP school. So I went that route instead. Um, but I went to nursing school and NP school to, to do this. This was okay. always the end game. So, um, yeah, that's no, that's, that's exciting. So did, did you, um, what, what, what do you what do you find different, whether good, bad, or indifferent, about 
uh, plastic surgery and aesthetics versus neurosurgery? I mean, what's the like? And then obviously, med spa is an extension of 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 plastic surgery. It's not the same thing, but but what, what are some of the major differences in in the two fields? Because like again, as I mentioned from before, like we really need to do a, a better job of of recruiting people uh, to come into this industry from other 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 sides, and you know. Part of that is is talking about your experience before and after. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, obviously there are differences, but they feel very much the same to me as a practitioner. And I think that's something that, you know, practitioners in the hospital don't see that side of it. Um, right. When I am clearing patients, I am still, you know, assessing them and, and educating them just as well about the possibility of a vascular occlusion as I am a brain bleed. You know, they they mean the same in our clinics. Those are about the two worst things that could happen in either field. And so um, I, I think as a clinician, being able to own that responsibility, even though other people may see that as a small responsibility, if we can just have clinicians to step up and say, no, this is a big deal in my space. I'm going to own this and do the best I can to not just prevent and teach, but to educate our patients on what to do about it. Um, they really don't feel that different other than there are more people smiling around a med spa mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, when there are, are family tragedies going on <laughs> in a hospital. <laughs> right. Um, so what what is it that you'd like to change about the industry, if anything, that we haven't talked about already? Yeah, I think it just goes back to the education. I am not that it needs to change. I think more just encouraging clinicians to own their training, you know, stop waiting for your, your med spa owner or your doctor to engage the conversation about where to go. You know, if you're thinking about getting in this industry, please don't do it unless you are going to hone your craft and try to be the best. It's a disservice to all. Um, you know, I'm in Texas, but a Bosch Botox job in New York affects my practice just as well because every patient knows about the friend of the friend that had a botched filler and then they don't trust me because of that when they're in my chair. And so I think just really helping people own that they have a choice in their training and being able, you know, not just, I'm not pushing my platform in that. However you want to get it, please just make sure that you're getting the education and training you need to do what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think what you said is really, really important in that if just because you're in a state where you can do certain things or not do certain things, um, whatever happens in our industry affects all of us. And, and I think that's really, really important. And we saw that with, with some of the news that came out of Texas in a couple of years ago, um, California and Florida, something that happens in, in New York will impact your medical spa in Texas um, just because of the publicity. And I, I, I really think we all need to kind of get, you know, get that, togetherness that community really really like that that needs to be first and foremost when anyone comes into into this industry um and and i will say though i see i see a lot more in med spas some of that support in community than i do in in for instance in plastic surgery when some of the conferences i've spoken at in the past there's a lot of competitiveness there like in in medical spas there's a lot of togetherness support um sure there's some of the you know the, the back and forth but are, are you feeling that too based upon your experience from surgery uh in the past that there's 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 a little bit more community in in this um in this industry i do you know and i think that's 
probably part of, um, you know, a lot of surgeons, a lot of doctors have very similar personalities. And so, um, you know, the desire to, to get that credit and that reputability is important to build their practice. I'm not saying that it's ill-willed in any type of way, um, but I think in the med spa space and probably just by sheer numbers as well, you know, one surgery center might have one or two docs, but the med spa might have eight nurses. So you're kind of forced to be in collaboration a little bit more. Um, but you know, and, and I'd encourage people to make friends with the surgeons in your area, make friends with the dermatologists. Some of my favorite and most well-trusted uh, relationships are with a competitor derm practice and a competitor plastic surgeon office less than a mile away. We send patients back and forth all the time because I know my skill set and I'm not going to come out of that. Um, but we trust each other enough that if I send them to the derm to check something out, she sends them back to me and she's like, oh, Taylor can handle this laser. Great. You know, we're not stealing each other. Right. And it's so rewarding to be able to have them to, to bounce ideas off of instead of being worried that they're just going to take my patient. And if they did, there are enough patients for all of us. It, it's going to be okay. You know? Yeah, there, there, there are, um, there's enough for everybody. So we don't need to worry about that. Um, so, um, Two last things I want to address um, because we've been going for uh, going on 40 minutes and people are probably ending their commute. And since you don't have any hot gossip, which we were hoping we would get some hot gossip from you. um, No tea today. (laughs) um, So um, two areas that I think need improvement also are, you know, the, the, the owners of meds. So, so in AMSPA in particular, our, our kind of our target and our, the, the people that make up our association are, you know, the non-core physicians, as we like to talk to them, that run med spas, NPs, PAs, RNs, obviously, and estheticians who are working in them and owning them. But there's also this contingent of non-medical owners, right, that that are a, becoming a huge part of this industry. Um, and, and that's great. And we're embracing them and, and, and we need them because I think they've business acumen. Um, um, but they also have a responsibility, don't they, to to help kind of bring the industry um, into that more medical side than the business side. Because the, part of what we see, and most of the folks that I talk to who are business owners in this industry are, are very, very good and very responsible and want more training and more responsibility. But there are those that are coming in with lots of money that the backing from private equity or whatever it is. And they're just looking to, to kind of, you know, put pedal to the metal. What, I mean, what, what responsibility do, do, do these business owners have um, to make sure their folks are trained and make sure that their folks understand, you know, what the regs and the, the ethics and the responsibilities are of being in a medically, uh, a medical spa as opposed to just a, a regular spa or salon. I think it's a huge responsibility. Uh, and yes, I'm thankful to the business people stepping up to try to get involved in this as well. You know, that is Vitalik's situation. Uh, we are, are led by a really fantastic business leader. Um, but I think the benefit to him is he understands that it has to be clinical first. And so he is willing to um, defer a lot of issues and questions to the clinical side of things. Uh, And I'm so appreciative that he does that. It makes my job a lot easier because I'm not having to fight for clinicians every single day. Um, 
But, you know, one of the questions we got at the AmSwap uh, boot camp that I was with uh, you at, it was uh, an owner saying, well, I'm nervous to spend all this money and time training someone because then what if they leave me for a competitor? And I think that's a very valid question. There are lots of ways to structure um, contracts in place around that to benefit Mm -hmm. all. Um, But my response to him was, the scarier thing is what if you don't pour into them and they stay? Right. My gosh, what a disservice to every client and patient that walks through your door because you're telling them essentially that you are too nervous to invest in the best outcome for them. Right. Uh, and so I think the owners need to step up too. It's, it's time to, in your quarterly reviews, ask your staff what training they would find valuable, uh, create goals around it, um, and, and recognize a lot of your clinicians are clinicians, not business people. So mm-hmm. it's hard for them to have metrics over revenue or Patrick, you know, uh, packages sold. Mm-hmm. Talk to them like a, a clinic clinician. You know, we, we celebrate, we safely injected X amount of syringes last month and we safely provided wonderful results with this many units. You know, though that's the language that clinicians really come around, not, um, well, sell this much in revenue this yeah. month, and we're happy. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough because you have you have both, right? I mean, it's it it, it is a business, um, and it is voluntary, like you said. So you're you're competing with others for the same you know the same patients. Um, I, I'm curious, and I don't want you to speak f- for your your owner and CEO, but was uh, was 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 he kind of on board with the the medical side of things initially when he came in? Because a lot of folks are, um, but a lot of folks aren't, and they kind of you kind of have to say, "Hey, this is how it needs to be." And many of them are open to it and receptive to it, and and and, and they go for it. Was what, what did you find that 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 he would that he understood from the beginning that this is what we needed to do as far as the medical side? I would say overall, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, good. he's been a member of AMSPA even before he opened his, uh, our practice. He, you know, uh, counsels with Bernadotto. He He's doing all the right things from the beginning. Okay. Um, you know, one of the reasons he would tell you he got into this space is because he uh, was traveling around visiting other med spas and was just so frustrated about how poorly the industry was doing it. And so it's a bit of a passion project for him to impact this industry well, uh, as well as as the business um, side of things as well. But um, yes, he has known from the beginning that in order for this to be compliant and successful, it has to be a medical spa first. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and, and, and we're seeing that I think more and more. Um, I remember when we first, I was first doing this 10 years ago, um, that was not, that was not the norm. There were a lot of folks who you almost had to kick, drag kicking and screaming into the, the, the compliance side of things because they just didn't, they, they, all they saw was that it was going to cost them more money. I, I think we're seeing, you know, a change. A lot of it is on the, the clinicians though, too, like you said, to, if you have an owner who is maybe not doing things uh, inadvertently the right way, we got to communicate with them, educate them and say, look, this is what we're trying to do. And that's not always an easy thing to do. I mean, like you saw with your, the nurse you were talking about who was fired. I mean, that's, you know, that's the risk, right? So that's tough. Um, I will tell you, though, her response to that was when she called me and said they fired me was, um, you know, well, I'm really glad that I'm not practicing at a place that is unsafe any longer. You know, I think clinicians to the root want to be safe. They, you know, have gone to school for years to protect this license that they get. And so I think for a lot of them, it, it would be okay to 
not be welcome to come back to work if they know that it's not doing yeah. it correctly. Yeah. And so I think them having the courage for that is, is a good, is a great thing. That's awesome. Um, Taylor, where can folks reach you if they have questions about your, your business or what you're doing or just want to chat? You know, let's give your cell phone out so everyone knows and can start texting <laughs> you. No, don't do yes, that. But just what's the best what's the best place to get a hold of you? Yes, you can go to at taylortrains.com. So that's T-A-Y-L-O-R trains.com. Uh, and there's plenty of ways to submit questions there, kind of see what we're up to with the business. Uh, or on Instagram, I am aestheticcare.np. That's awesome. And when and is this officially launched yet or you're, you're still kind of in beta, you said? We are in beta. Um, we January one, we will be um, fully launched, ready to go with things. But there's already plenty of content on there, and so um, we've even got some, you know, great promotional pricing on there right now to to take advantage of before we actually go live. That's awesome. um, but it, it's ready to go. All right, that's awesome. Look forward to it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. The time has flown by. Um, but thank you. Yeah, we'll have to bring you back and get an update here pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. I'll see you in January at the uh, Amspa show. Oh, that's right. And you're you're presenting. On, I am. What are you presenting yes. on? So everyone knows. Uh, I be the business of IV therapy. Okay, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, look yes. forward to seeing you there. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Taylor Siemens. Critical Training Director for Vitalik. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.